0: All right, if the AV team could just put on the scripture, very good, okay, Um, we're going to begin reading at verse uh, 16, we're looking at a passage from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and some verses from chapter 5, Um, we're also continuing our catechetical series as we look at that phrase in the Apostles' Creed of you and I as an element, a fundamental element of our faith, we we confess the resurrection of the body. that's all I'm going to say at this point, but before um, I read from that scripture, before we ca- confess um, our catechetical document in just a moment, um, I want to add um, a few, just a few verses and say a few things about them um, be, before um, we get to the, the text up here. So um, if you have your Bible, you can turn there, um, It's se- or a device, Second Corinthians chapter 11, and I want to... I wanna read um, some verses, Uh, um, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. And this gives us an insight into personally the life of the Apostle Paul and the sufferings that he endured for Christ. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24 and following, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned Three times I was shipwrecked for a night and day. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger of rivers from robbers, from my own people, from Gentiles, Dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers in toil and hardship, many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, oftentimes without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from these other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I want you to think about that. Here's here's a man. I I call Paul uh, just a, a war horse. He was a guy who took it on the chin for the sake of the gospel. And um, he he literally experienced sufferings and persecutions, not just in spirit, but in body. In body, I mean, if there's a man who looked forward to a new body one day, it was Paul. Now, with that having been said, I want to go back to Second Corinthians chapter four. And again, if you have your Bibles with you, I want to read just one verse, or actually two verses, eleven and twelve. So, Second Corinthians 4, 11 and twelve. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So now he's pluralizing it, and he moves from his own personal sufferings to the sufferings of his fellow apostles. All right, now, verse 16, you can look on the overhead if you want. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are unseen, but to the things that are, are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're like here and now, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens actually what i'm going to do is i'm going to stop there at that point but i'll draw your attention to the other verses in the sermon itself now um if you could put on the the catechetical statement um question answer um uh, 57 and um here here is the question what comfort does the resurrection of the body offer you and let's say together Not only shall my soul, after this, immediately be taken up to Christ my head, but also this my flesh, raised by the power of Christ, shall be reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body. It's a very succinct statement. And again, it's the gospel. It's the good news of a new body. Uh, One day. And maybe you're okay with your present body. Maybe, Maybe you're in good health psychologically, emotionally, physically, and all that, um, but maybe you're like the apostles, maybe, maybe you're not, but regardless, you may be feeling well now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be feeling well later, we all go through the groanings, as Paul says later on this passage of this life, so, so really what we're taking a look at is the future, and we're taking a look at oftentimes what's called the afterlife, and the, the afterlife is an interesting thing, and a lot of people are very interested in what we call the afterlife, Um, Christians, but also a lot of non-Christians. I mean, what, really, what lies beyond the grave, you know? Uh, It's kind of interesting, maybe you've read things like this before, where you have people who technically die, right, and they maybe had a stroke or a heart attack or they drowned or whatever, and they they were clinically dead for, let's say, maybe 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it was, but then they were resuscitated. And every once in a while you see these things online, they're interviewed, or it's in books, right, they write a book about it, and they record what it was like in that interim period when they were clinically dead before they were resuscitated, and they'll say things like, oh, you've heard things like this, oh, I I was bathed in great light, or there was this tunnel, and I walked through this tunnel, and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Some will say, I saw Jesus, and he was bathed in a great light. Uh, and then there's some people who say, actually, I didn't experience that at all. I experienced great darkness as if I was in a dark dungeon. And they record, you know, what felt like demonic influences around them and these kinds of things. And, and we're kind of naturally fascinated by that. We read these books or we, we hear these things online and yeah, then we start thinking about something that one theologian said about heaven that it barely gives us a whisper. I mean, the Bible does go into some detail about heaven and the afterlife, but, and hell, for that matter, but it doesn't really give us a lot. So, really, what are we to expect? Well, the Bible does have something to say, and our passages have something to say. So, let's, let's, let's consider that here, okay, this afternoon, and that is this. The Apostle Paul writes a section in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 4 and 5 uh, about, about eternal life, about the life that is beyond this world. And he writes it for the uh, encouragement and the comfort of those who suffer. And in particular, for those who are suffering as part of, part of the apostolic orders. Those who are apostles are called by Jesus and sent into the world to bring the gospel to the, to, to the nations. And that was, sometimes it was warmly received, but more often than not, it was not. In fact, they suffered greatly for the cause of the gospel. It was very, very difficult for them. And and the question is sometimes raised by Christians, but also by non-Christians when they start reading the Bible and they start reading about the apostles and all the things that they took on the chin, so to speak, severely so for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they ask this question. Why were they willing to endure that to such a degree? I mean, what what, what really drove them to that? And, And the simple answer is, not only because they loved Jesus deeply, And they attributed their very life to Christ. But also, very simply, they knew, they knew that this life is not all that there is, that there is something beyond. The Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5:1. For we know, not this is a conjecture on our part, no, we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, that's this, the body, is destroyed, by means of persecution or martyrdom, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So again, the, the apostles knew that even if the Lord required them to give their very lives for Christ, they knew that, like nobody likes to go through that, but they knew that in the end, that would not be the end of their existence, but they would enter into into glory. And this is kind of what, this is this is very much what what held them together. You know, um, I don't know if you know this, but ancient church tradition tells us, and I think I may have stated this once or twice before, that every one of the apostles who suffered and were persecuted for Jesus Christ, every one of them ended up giving their lives ultimately for Christ by means of persecution, ultimately death. They were martyrs um, for the faith. Um, If you could, uh, AV, if you could put uh, the, the, there you go. Um, There's only one apostle who never gave, according to church tradition, who never gave his life by way of martyrdom. That was the apostle John, exiled to the island of Patmos, um, there was a book put out many years ago called Fox's Book of Martyrs before you could find all this information online, and it talked about these, this church tradition. You can't verify this on the Bible, but these are stories that are circulated from the opening centuries. I don't know if you knew that some of this. Peter, crucified upside down, apparently, in Rome. You say, why was he crucified upside down? The story is is he felt that he was not worthy to be crucified like Christ in the same way, so he said, let me be crucified upside down. Paul, beheaded Andrew, crucified. James, brother of John, executed with a sword. We do know that. That comes from the Bible, Acts chapter 12. For those of you who are at the house, remember when we were praying for Fatima, which I'll mention her a little bit later. Remember, we read from uh, that passage together. For, I don't know if you remember this, but we read from Acts 12. Philip, cause of death unknown. Various hypotheses about that. Thomas, speared by four soldiers. Matthew, stabbed. Bartholomew, reports of his martyrdom. Um, the cause of death ultimately unknown. James, son of Alphaeus, stoned. Jude, killed with an axe. Simon the zealot, possibly martyred, various hypotheses for that. Matthias, burned alive. John, exiled to Patmos and died of natural causes. Now, we have to be careful with this kind of thing. Again, these are stories are circulated. This is not verified on the basis of the Bible. But, but if this is true, even part of this is true, Notice, notice what happened to their bodies. Stabbed, axed, speared, crucified, burned, beheaded, all these kinds of things. And many of them and just they, they died in very different ways, but, but all tragedies of the body. But they were willing to undergo this. All for the sake of Christ and all for the sake of uh, their, e- their eternal home. You know, um, I'll mention uh, Fatima one, one more time. Apparently abducted in Dur- uh, Iran. And we, we don't know, if I may put it as bluntly like the, uh, as this, we don't know if she's alive or she's dead. We don't know if she's been married off to a Muslim man. We don't know if she was uh, abused in various ways. Um, yet, yet, her family, Saraya and Issac and Maria and the boys—they remain strong. And as I asked one of them this morning, "Have you ever, have you ever thought making, or have you ever thought that giving your life to Christ was a mistake?" He said, "No, no, never, never." So the, these these are individuals. I mean, this is all kind of theoretical stuff to us. We can read about it, but it's one thing to to have to undergo that and pray for and be concerned about others. I want to have you take a look at chapter 5, verse 1 and following, and notice again what is the hope of the Christian. Verse 5, verse 1 again, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent, now again, reminder that this tent is the body, for in this tent we groan, Longing to be put put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent. There's that word again. We groan. Mm. Mm. Being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. We're already clothed with Christ, but we're not yet clothed with eternity. So that which is mortal may be swallowed up in time by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who's given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Now, when you look at those verses, you know, there you notice there's a number of contrasts here. There's, there's the mortal and there's immortality. There's the transient, there's a the here and now, and there's eternity. There is uh, Tent, there's a reference to a tent that is our bodies, and you know tents. Kids, if you ever go on vacation, you go tenting or camping, you put up that tent for a while, but you don't, your parents don't set up the tent and go, well, this is our home now, you know, and five years later, you're living in that tent. The tent is for a time. You take it down. Same thing with our bodies. And that's contrasted with a building from God. A building is more permanent. That's our eternal existence. And then finally, there's this contrast between the sufferings and groans of this life and the joys of the life to come. Now, I want you to notice what the text doesn't say. The text doesn't say, like a lot of people say today, well, when you die, and then you go into the ground, or if you're cremated, or whatever, that's it. That's part of your earthly existence is over, and, you know, we just disintegrate, and that's the end of our existence. The Bible says no. No, it's not. There's eternity. For the Christian, when you die there is an immediate entrance into the presence of God himself. It's not like we die and then we fall asleep and we're there in this kind of unconscious state like you are when you're asleep for a long period of time and then you finally go into glory. No, there's this immediate this immediate transfer into the very beautiful and blessed um uh existence, if you will, what some call the beatific vision, where we receive a, a vision of the essence of Christ himself, right? And this is this is not just a theological truth you throw out there and what you get to hear from the pulpit, but is, it's really the source of our comfort and our joy, and the apostle Paul demonstrates that. Look at verse 6. He says, so we are always of good courage, right? He talks about eternity, and he says, you know what? If this life is all that there is, then we have no comfort and there's no reason for us to press on and be willing to give our lives for the sake of Christ. No, therefore, because we know eternity is coming, we may be of good courage, he says. For we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we'd rather be away from the body and be, notice that phrase there, it's a beautiful phrase, to be at home with the Lord, to be at home with the Lord. Now, the the Bible doesn't go into great detail as to what that's all going to be. What does it really mean to be at home with the Lord? All we know is that right now on this earth, we're pilgrims. We're like Abraham on the way to the promised land, living in tents, you know, until we finally get there. But once we get there, we're going to know it's home. It's going to be something beautiful, it's going to be something filled with shalom and filled with blessing. And this is, a, this is especially a beautiful thought when you consider those who are struggling. Uh, and, and literally, Paul uses the word groaning, um, people who are groaning uh, in this life. Kids, I want to I I talk to you. I want to talk to you again. Okay, listen up. Okay, because... Uh, kid, kids are precious, I hope we, our kids are precious. So, you know, after, after the, um, uh, after we had some meal here, went outside and chucked, chucked the football guys for a while, you know, and uh, I, was, I was reminded that, you know what, you can, kids, you can go out there and you can go on the playground or out in that open field and I hope we can do some time. We'll get a game going. We're going to the, pit the older guys against the younger boys. We'll, we'll take you on, okay? But when you go out there and you play, so you th- this is what older guys do. you got to go like this because you you're going to throw your road cuff off, right? And these kids, they just go out there and they start playing. And as, as parents, we, I, don't, I don't think we've had four kids. And as parents, I, I can never remember our kids playing outside. Sometimes they come into the house, right? Or they'll come in here during the summer and they'll be all sweaty and their hair will be matted and all that kind of stuff because they're playing basketball or football or soccer or whatever. No child ever will come through those doors, let's say six, seven to maybe 12 or 13 years old, whatever. They don't come through those doors and they sit down. None of them are going like this. You know, I threw my shoulder out or something. You know, like, oh, my, my hips were kind of clicking out there, you know. They don't do that, right? We do that as, as people are middle-aged and older. Kids, when you are younger, you, you are in the, your top health. Now, sometimes you have children, kids, you know this. You have young boys or young girls who maybe they were born that way or maybe something, maybe they got a disease or maybe they have a condition from the earliest of years where they're not, you know, completely healthy like a lot of kids. And you know what? Never forget about them. And think about them and think about the day that one day, you know what? All the struggles and difficulties that they have, one day you're going to be able to meet them and you're going to see them completely whole. No more issues of the mind or the heart or the body. They're going to be they're going to be healthy. And for those of you who are healthy now who are young, one day, you listen to me, one day you're going to get into let's say your 40s or 50s or 60s. You know what happens? get stuff right here, and your neck begins to hurt. It's nothing usually serious, or your hips or your glutes are sore, you know, and you feel that, and you know what? That's the way of the Lord saying your body that you have now was not meant to have the kind of existence that you have right now in total. In fact, one day what's going to happen is you're going to grow older, and then you're going to be like an older man who's going to start walking a little bit, and he walks slow. Kids run around before the service, so they're running around outside. Do you ever see a man in his 70s or 80s doing that? Never. Unless he's really good shape, but usually never, right? Because he's getting older. And what? He's preparing to gradually fade away and die. Well, that's a real encouragement, isn't it? No, it's not, but it's reality. And the Apostle Paul talks about reality here, that we are all going to fade, and one day we're going to die. And sometimes, one other thing, kids, I want you to listen to this, sometimes you may have to visit your parents in hospice. You know what hospice is? Hospice is where a person, um, if they don't die suddenly, what happens is that sometimes they're struggling with a disease or cancer, and they're in hospice, and a number of us have experienced that, and sometimes, you know what the Lord does is their body is wasting away. The Lord gives them an insight of what is to come. And I think I told you this before. When my dad was in hospice, I didn't see this, but my brother did. And a day or two before my dad died, my, my brother said, yeah, dad just went like this. He just, like, he saw something. And he just, he held out his hands like this. Or I knew a woman in a former congregation. It's when we were pastoring in Linden, Washington. There was an older woman who had um, colon cancer, and it was greatly, greatly painful. And she, she, she died in a, in a painful way. But before she died, she said to her family, she said, I, 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 I saw Jesus. And he was beautiful, she said. He was just beautiful. And sometimes the Lord gives us these things, you know, of a taste, of a taste in this groaning suffering of life of ours, a taste of what is to come, and that is something that we are, we should really look forward to as God's people as well. And I want to I want to say this one final thing. And then, um, guys, I'm going to ask you to put up the the Q and A 57 in just a minute. But I, I, I want you to think about this, and that is the Apostle Paul. Is is his emphasis is on the human body here. But one day, the Bible tells us that not only are we going to enter into our eternal home but we're going to get new bodies. Now listen carefully. There are a lot of Christians, and maybe you're one of them here. You may be a, a Christian who thinks, if I ask you what happens when you die, what's the standard answer? Well, we go to heaven. Okay. That is true. For the child of God, when they expire, when they die, what we do, we get an immediate experience of coming into the presence of Christ, and we get to be at home with the Lord. A lot of times, Christians think, after we die, what we're doing is we're just kind of in this spiritual state for eternity in a place that we call heaven. It's not what the Bible teaches. Heaven is actually a provisional place. That is, unless Christ comes first, we die, and what happens is after we die, our body expires, our body is buried, right, is put into the ground, but... What happens after that? We go in our spiritual state to be at home with the Lord. We have this immediate experience of being at home with Christ and experiencing the, what we call this beatific vision, this vision of the glory of Christ with those around us who have died in Christ. But the Bible teaches us also this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, that when Jesus returns from heaven, what will happen is that our spirits will come with him and be reunited with our bodies and we will be in a glorified state spirit and body will come back together and you say well then what happens after that isaiah 50 65 and 66 and revelation 21 and 22 tells us that heaven indeed will come down to earth it will be a return like to the garden of eden but even better and in this glorified bodily state you and i will experience the blessedness of eternal life, and a number of the things, not all of them, but a number of the things that we do in this life, we will be doing on the new earth. Beyond that, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot, but the point is this, the Lord takes our bodies very seriously, and one day, our bodies are not simply going to disintegrate, and that is it, we're going to go on to live in a glorified bodily state in the new heavens and the new earth. That's good news, and that's the beauty of the gospel. Take a look now at question answer 57. What does the resurrection of the body are for you? Not only shall my soul, after this life, notice, immediately be taken up to Christ my head, but also this, my flesh, our bodies, raised by the power of Christ at his return, shall be reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body. I mean, you, 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 you think of how different the Christian faith is opposed to so many other religions, that, that we have this hope that whatever happens to us. Or Fatima, you know, whether she is dead or alive, if she's gone, she's with the Lord, and she's waiting for the glorified state that we all experience one day. That's, that is a comfort, and that is our encouragement. So I want to I leave you with this. I want you to uh, have you think about something serious, and then I want to offer encouragement. And the serious thing I want you to think about is this: every one of us, one day, are gonna die. Unless Christ returns, every one of us, not one exception, we're all gonna die. You ever think about that? Maybe you say I think about that all the time, you know, and that's not always healthy either. but but maybe we don't think about it at all, but we should. One day we're gonna die, one day, We're going to offer our last breath. Let me ask you this. You ready to die? Honestly. Even if the Lord should take you tonight, are you ready to die? That's something we're thinking about. And, um, you know, for, for those who do not find themselves in Christ, the call is what? Draw near to Christ right repent believe the bible says seek the lord while he may be found call on him while he is near let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts let him draw near to the lord and he will forgive and he will have abundant compassion we find ourselves in right standing with god through christ by repentance and faith draw near to christ draw near to christ draw near to christ Christ. And if you say, you know what, I've drawn near to Christ, I've placed my faith in Him, I stumble at times in this life, but I rest in Christ, then the question, am I prepared to die? There's no question about that, ultimately. Why is that? Because Christ is sufficient in what He's done on the cross, but also in His resurrection. And the Bible says, for all those who place faith in Jesus Christ, they have the promise of the promise of the glorious resurrection one day. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And that is what we have to look forward to in the life to come. And with that in mind, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings of the gospel. Lord, we hear it here every week. And um, uh, Lord, um, these bodies of ours, they are really tense. These bodies of ours, we really do suffer in them sometimes. These bodies of ours, we sometimes, uh, we sigh and we groan. But Lord, we, we thank you that in the midst of these signs and groans at time and the pressures that we face in this life, one day it's all going to be done. It's all going to be done. And one day we might be able to enter into, we will enter into What the Bible calls our eternal Sabbath rest in a glorified state, beholding Christ and living in glory and joy and light for eternity. Oh, Lord, um, so much that we don't know, but nevertheless, Lord, whet our appetites for us and bolster our faith to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.